Hello, welcome to the show. You're listening to episode number 197 of Creepypodsta in the lead up to the end. Uh, I've been trying to mostly schedule uh, our, our, our favorite, I was going to say, my favorite guests. Um, because I know that the audience has their own favorites that are different from mine, but if I'm not making it for me, then why bother making it at all? Uh, so I, I scheduled a, a couple, uh, a couple longtime stalwarts. Uh, is that the word? Probably. Who knows? And then I got back in a guest who hasn't been on the show in probably a hundred episodes, and now I have here. Just less than a month out from the end of the show, a brand new guest. We're going to be talking about a story from the No Sleep web forum, with which you are all familiar. Uh, the title of the post on No Sleep was, I had a friend who lived in the air vents. The author is MJ Pack. When the story was put onto the No Sleep podcast, which is where I listened to it, it was titled Magic Marty. So maybe you know it by that title. And with me to discuss this story, please welcome S.C. Woolridge. Hi. Hello. Uh, so tell me first, before we get into it, why did you pick this story? Uh, initially, I thought going into it, we were going to read the stories full on. So I had that in mind. And I chose this story because I like that it starts off with a child protagonist and a female child protagonist. And I thought the voice was really, um, well, like a lot of times when you go into these stories and it's an adult speaking back about childhood, the language is very mature and it's un, I was going to say unrealistic, but that, um, I don't know, the language pairs up really well with it being a child. I liked it. I, I think it's a good story. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that, uh, that assessment that the, the child language is pretty well done. Um, a pretty big genre, especially on No Sleep, is I just remembered the spooky thing that happened to me when I was a kid, um, which already immediately is like, it takes away some of the drama, uh, because we already know that you survive the bad thing. Very um, true. Uh, but this one skirts that nicely, and we'll get into that. Uh, the other aspect that this one sort of avoids is a lot of the times it'll be like someone remembering they're like i'm 30 now but when i was six something really horrible <laughs> happened and it's like you don't remember that many details and six-year-olds don't swear as much as you did in this story <laughs> but Thank this one you. this one neatly avoids that uh so why don't you walk me through a uh description of the events of this tale that's a weird way to say a summary i'm being weird I love it. Big, right, weir so, big weirdo energy over here for me. <laughs> so the summary is, we start off with a young child. She's seven. She is mommy and daddy's only little girl. And then it turns out mommy and daddy are having a second kid. And this really throws her world into a loop. She's lamenting that uh, mommy and daddy are just paying less and less attention to her. Daddy's uh, patience is shorter and mommy just doesn't give a fuck. Can we curse here? Yeah, you're yeah. allowed to. All right. Um, with the baby on its way and coming shortly and months of this child just getting the raw end of the deal, she decides she's going to make up a friend. She's going to do something so outrageous and extraordinary that her parents have to pay attention to her. So she comes up kind of geniusly with this idea that she's going to invoke their attention by saying that she's got a new friend. 
And where's his friend? He's living in the vents. Duh. And I talk to him all the time and he's magic and he has a cat named Baseball and he eats jelly beans and he can move things with his mind. Uh, and it is, her parents still don't pay attention to her. Uh, once they find out that it's imaginary, they're like, oh, it's just our kid. So she goes on, she continues, and she keeps trying to ramp up the audacity of these stories as the days continue. Um, he's moving her homework around. He's changing things in the room with his mind. Oh, baseball's such a fun cat. Wow. Nobody's paying attention to her. Everyone's concerned about the baby and when the baby's coming and can they redo the house? Can they shift things around? So one particular day when she's had enough and she doesn't even care about getting attention anymore, she crawls under her bed and discovers that there's been a vent under her bed this whole time. So she starts genuinely talking to it out of sincere loneliness and being distraught that nobody loves her the way that she used to. Um, no love. And then a voice starts talking to her back. A real voice. And then it... Um, well, real, real as far as we know at this point. I, I guess, I guess we're we're meant to assume as the the audience that this is an imaginary voice, but I think knowing it's a horror story, we're all like, ooh. I don't. I well, at this point, I even the child is surprised that there's a real voice talking back to her, but she kind of yeah. rolls with it. And um, he tells her, he reinforces to her how amazing and special and unique she is. And um, and then there's a real cat mewing at her, right? So this is really, she's, and then she starts questioning, um, well, wait a second, I made you up. So how are you here? And he's like, did you make me up? Because how could you have made up all these amazing things about me and my cat and what I like to do? Maybe you've just been so distraught about this baby that you just pretended that you made me up, even though you've actually been talking to me this whole time. And she's little and she's like, yeah, you're right. I'm, I didn't make you up. You're real. But there's an undertone of this voice from the vent keeps asking, hey, do you know when that baby's coming? You know what kind of food I like? Cotton candy. I love the way it tastes. Um, but we get a month left to the pregnancy or the birth. The baby comes and um, one night and at first the child, the little girl in this story, she's totally in, um, she can acknowledge that this baby is cute. It's a beautiful little girl named Sophie with a pink squishy face, but she's annoying. She cries all night. And in one particular night while she's crying bloody murder, um, the little girl crawls under her bed because she just can't take it anymore. And for some reason, mommy and daddy aren't answering the baby's cries. And she falls asleep under the bed. Um, when she wakes up, there's police lights. Someone's pulling her out of the bed. And lo and behold, bump, bump, murder. Parents slaughtered in their bed. Little baby Sophie missing. And then that's the story kind of can... Nope, that's the end. No, I'm kidding. No. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, this... we flash uh, forward, right? Kind of. We do get a little bit of a montage of growing up in the legal foster system where nothing particularly bad happened to her. But flash forwards to where she's a grown woman, our female child protagonist, grown and pregnant of her own, working in her own nursery, building it up for the baby. And then she hears a voice again asking her about how soon the baby's coming. And after years of therapy and telling herself that she had invented the whole thing as a coping mechanism for the brutal slaughter of her parents, um, she falls on the floor, incredulous to the voice coming out of the vents. And um, I don't know, I can I say direct language? 
Oh yeah, we're um we're we're fully spoiling the story. So absolutely. So, um, so we get a voice from the vent asking Rosie. That's the name of our female protagonist. Magic Marty said, um, "Do you know if it's a little girl, Rosie?" She doesn't believe it. He kind of just like I don't know menaces her, tells her essentially what he did with Sophie. Yeah, he's uh, taunting her, being like, oh, I hope it's a girl. Those taste better. Like, yeah, I, I fixed gross. it last time, Sophie. When's this baby coming? Or Rosie, Sophie. I get names yeah. confused. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a generic creepypasta protagonist, the name. It's fine. Um, so, yeah, it just kind of ends there with Rosie listening at the vent as Magic Marty says, the pink ones taste like cotton candy. Yeah, she runs out the house, obviously. She's, yeah. like, running in terror. Uh, leaves a lot of questions in a way that I think is particularly effective. Um, but let me ask you, do you think that Magic Marty is some kind of uh, otherworldly monster or just a serial killer? I think it's an otherworldly monster. Mm. I think that um, what's really great, a really great aspect about this story was at first it is fake right like she's talking to herself and she feels that it's fake she knows that she's just making this stuff up and my point here is the sincerity right she just wants attention but she's not really feeling the bottomless pit of not having it the the real um What's the word? Like lamenting. This person to her, this imaginary friend is imaginary to her until that one night when she actually does crawl on, under the bed, when she just doesn't even care about attention anymore. She's just consumed by the rejection of it all. Yeah. That's, that's when magic happens. That's when those ominous creatures, they want real feelings. And this was her real feeling. She really crawled under the bed in absolute despair and talked to nothing. And that's when magic responds. So I think it's a real magic creature. Yeah. I had initially thought that the twist of it, like when magic Marty shows up, I'm like, okay, so there's like a creepy guy living in her house. He's going to kill her family or something. (laughs) Uh, But then the fact that it left it ambiguous at the end was uh, I think really intriguing because I I've read that story too many times where it's like, uh, yeah, uh, you've like the, the urban legend about the, the dog licking the hand. It's like, uh, humans can lick too, or the like college roommate, same urban legend where you turn on the light and it's like, aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light? Like written in blood on the wall. It's like so many different urban Wait, legends. Explain those to me. What's okay. the dog licking the hand? Oh, boy, that was actually an episode of the show we did. It's an urban legend. It's like two paragraphs long about like uh, someone went to sleep. Um, like a kid goes to sleep while their parents are out of town and they're scared. So they reach down because uh, they hear a noise and they reach down and the, the dog that's sleeping under their bed licks their hand and they're like, okay, I'm safe. And then when they wake up, they go into the bathroom the next morning and the dog's dead and it's written on the wall. Humans can lick too in blood. Uh, to say like, oh yes, that right. noise, that noise was a person breaking into the house. And That's the, very creepy. Yeah, the other one's the same thing, except it's a college roommate and uh, someone like coming in late and not turning on the light um, at at night, when, even though they hear weird noises coming from their roommates' like side of the room or whatever. Um, also creepy. 
Yeah, <laughs> it, all all like pretty much the same thing as like uh, oh, someone's blinking their lights at you on on yes. a quiet highway because there's a serial killer in the back seat. Um, and I I thought it was just going to be another one of those, but the fact that Magic Marty perhaps is some kind of Rumpelstiltskin is is pretty interesting to me. I think so, right? That that is what Rumpelstiltskin was, right? I mean, like it was. But it only works, that kind of magic only works on real emotions. You can pretend all you want, but if you're not really feeling it, like, there's no real call to it. Yeah, you need, you need to want something for, for your, your fairies and elves and other wishmakers to, uh, to, to Respond. take advantage of that. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you're not vulnerable enough, if you're not sad and lonely enough, they, they don't, they don't need that energy. No, not at all, right? It's fake. But yeah, so yeah, I think it's, I think Magic Marty's real because when she gets real about it, he's like, all right, my intro. Here I come. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. eat that baby. Uh, now here's the other question relatedly. Uh, what does Rumpelstiltskin do with those babies? Is he eating the babies? Ooh, good question. Probably. Probably. I hear that baby fat is pretty delicious. Um. <laughs> I mean, probably, right? Like, we, uh, we supposedly taste similar to pork. Ew, um, gross, but true. And, totally and true. And, like, veal tastes good compared to beef, so, like, baby human probably tastes like, like really tender pork, right? <laughs> I mean, like, you know, let's just swap some baby recipes right now. Listen, I enjoy my little baby fat with a side of extra bacon. Mm, Slow-cooked, pulled baby. Mm, I love putting Gross. them inside of a, a little crock pot and waiting all day. Mm-mm. No, Gross. that's terrible. Nobody do that. Um, yeah, please don't take this as a, <laughs> a cookbook. Uh, I googled what does Rumpelstiltskin want with a baby? Well, okay, so ideally, maybe it's like a, a Leprechaun 3 where he's like, I'm going to get me a bride. Um, but most likely Rumpelstiltskin or slavery too, right? I mean, little child yeah. slaves are great for fairy kingdoms from what I understand. Like, they don't know any better. They listen to everything you say. And after they get to a certain age, you can send them out on a quest that, and who cares if they come back, right? So probably slavery, maybe food, but Rumpelstiltskin, I think slavery. Yeah, I'm I'm interested because, I mean, I guess I always just assumed that he just, um, I don't know, I guess, like, (laughs) wanted to make the person sad. So he takes their baby and then like gives it to someone else who didn't want a baby, and he's like, "I live off of sadness." Yay! Yeah, like maybe that's <laughs> it. Um, it's so it. it the, he's a bad stork. Yeah the the idea of it. It says I'm I'm looking at some some answers on Stack Exchange. Uh, someone says the text itself does not answer the question, but uh, in uh, on on a. Uh, a, like academic text about about like mythology they mentioned that like why why demons uh like try to buy children and souls is like rarely explained at all um it's just like mostly to be like the greatest price someone has to pay it's supposed to be like a sacrifice um but then this person goes on to conclude that practically Rumpelstiltskin probably just wants that kid as a slave Oh, great. Ding. Score. Uh, I think you nailed it. 
Um, but life force is a good one. What if Rumpelstiltskin can only continue to live for as long as he does because he has to take the life force? So not as terrible as being eaten alive or cooked or something, but still the the ripping of your energy from you. Yeah, and he's going to give that baby Jack disease, and then he's going to be young, and the child will be very old. Hey, and then and then does it matter? Because the baby, it's new, and then it just immediately dies because of, like, old age and liver disease and heart failure and all that kind of stuff. Like, it doesn't matter. You're now young with the vitality of, like, another 70, 80 years. Hell, if it was a healthy baby, maybe 100 years. Maybe that baby was going to have some good health care. It's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep, that baby's going to survive. Uh, that baby would have survived into the global uh, communist revolution, but now <laughs> you, Magic Marty, gets to see it. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at, I googled the phrase Magic Marty, because when I was trying to find the story before I googled that phrase, and noticed there's a bunch of magicians called Magic Marty. <laughs> There's a lot of magicians who ply their trade uh, and are named no, Magic Marty. That's There's a, a character in the children's sh- show Handy Manny, uh, uh, which seems to be a um, a ripoff of Bob the Builder, maybe yeah. like an, um, an Americanized version. Or uh, no, something. I think Handy Mandy is like Spanish. Yeah, um, I, Penn Gillette voices a character named Magic Marty on Handy Manny. Um, oh, I see. It's a, an American dash Canadian. Ah, okay. Series. Never mind. Psych. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, the main character looks to be a, a little Latino boy, and he's voiced by Wilmer Valderrama. Uh, so that makes sense to me. But I, I don't, yeah, I believe it. I don't know if it, if it, yeah, he's a Mexican American repairman. I don't know if from it Canada. Gets, yeah, from Canada. I don't know if it gets <laughs> into possible. any any uh, Dora the Explorer type like language lesson stuff or not, because I've never watched this show. <laughs> I have perused that show once, which is why I was like, oh no, I thought it was like a little Spanish kid or. But, oh yeah, yeah, there's Spanish speaking residents in the town. Okay, so yeah. it's it's Bob the Builder by way of Dora the Explorer. By way of Canada. Yeah, by way of Canada. There's a lot of animated shows from Canada. Uh, Johnny Test was a Canadian show. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to try to go for a third one. I'm just done. It you was did great. Too. Good job. Johnny <laughs> Test, I mean, that's really, that's out of that ballpark. I was like, well, I've watched that. Canadian cartoons. Enter. They're all over the place. Googling this. Oh, yeah, all of the Total Drama Island cartoons were Canadian. Um, I've seen those too. Arthur is Canadian, it seems like. That makes sense. Is this true? Angela Anaconda, Canadian. Hmm. Uh, the Babar cartoon from the very early 90s and the late, uh, the like 2010s, also Canadian. That makes sense. Uh, Transformers Beast Wars, Canadian. You know, Beast Wars was actually pretty amazing. Yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. Oh man, the Beetlejuice cartoon, Canadian. Wow. Canada, I guess, just makes most of our cartoons. <laughs> Caillou, Canadian. Oh, uh, so many. Nobody um, likes Caillou. Yeah, that's true. Clone High, that's another, that's one of the big Canadian cartoons, Clone High. Everyone's favorite adult adult cartoon from the mid-2000s. 
right? Mid two thousands, yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Two thousand two to two thousand three. Um anyway, uh do we Magic have- Marty. Back to Magic Marty. Yeah, back to Magic Marty. Um what Lots of the- magicians. That's a shame. Uh, yeah, that's they I wonder if this person just randomly chose the name Magic Marty or if they knew that there were uh, magicians by that name and they were wanted to like take the name or something. What is it called when you it's the first sound of each word oh. that sounds the same? Alliteration. Alliteration, yeah. So Didn't you just accuse I th- I thought you just accused me of that earlier. No, that might have been my other recording today. It's so popular today. Yeah, I did an hour and a half recording uh, this morning about a really long and very boring uh, creepypasta about an NES game that no one in the world has uh, played. Uh, Actually, conveniently, my guest for that one played it. It was a Godzilla game, and he was also a big Godzilla head, so that worked out pretty well. Um, but this one, uh, do we have anything else to say about, I had a friend who lived in the air vents? Uh, yes. Um, so for this one, I kind of, I get the ending and I am not someone who can be like, you know what? If I had wrote this story, I would have made the ending like a little different. You're welcome to indulge that topic. I, so let's just here, indulge like. that because it's we we do that a lot. This I've said many times on the show before. This show is not for authors. Uh, this is not <laughs> this is not author directed criticism. So MJ Pack, if you're listening, you have hey, to turn MJ. the podcast off now or it's entrapment. Okay. Um, but <laughs> All right. so listen. Um, the child voice was so great. I didn't see why we had to flash forward to her being an adult because then that same problem you were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, that comes back a little. Um, the child voice is great, but when she's an adult and she's looking back, uh, how am I trying to put this? It was, I think it would have, st- been better if it stayed in that child's voice. Like she could have encountered Magic Marty again as a young person, but again, we flash, she's an adult. We know that she's speaking in past tense because she's like, it starts off. What's the language? Hold on. Yeah. Part of, part of the, the, um, conceit of no sleep is like, this is a spooky thing that happened to the person posting it. And like, nobody is fooled by that but you're sure like it's in the rules that all your comments have to like engage in the role play of the stories being true okay so like when i was younger so and like when you're a little kid that's how this one starts off you do a lot of strange stuff to get attention and so that's how this starts off but because she I don't know. I guess I have so many questions because I'm like, okay, but then where did you run? And Magic Marty can just kind of show up anywhere. Now, where are you going to go with that baby? Like, you know, like you didn't leave a forwarding address. He just showed up. So the problem is that you're being stalked by this magic creature that you kind of brought to life because you were lonely and wanting it. Um, Very victim shaming. I'm so sorry, little, little Rosie. Um, yeah, I, I mean, she didn't bring him back, though. She wasn't feeling very... Um, exactly, and she wasn't she, feeling any negativity about the fact that she was having a baby. Like, there was... Yeah. She was just pregnant and, like, super happy about it, and... Yeah, so I don't get why he came back the next time. Like, what's going to happen to her now? How can it be... Yeah, I don't I'm kind of like, wait, but now she's an adult. There's more questions. Um, yeah, yeah. Where I are mean, you going the, to run? 
the thing invites questions, right? Yeah, where is she going to run? Uh, where did she run to that sh- her like first thought was, oh, I've got to write a Reddit post about yes. this. <laughs> the uh, internet needs to know. So many of these stories, um, they, they take a, an epistolary format of like, hey, there's this thing going on in my life that's kind of freaky and I need to tell somebody, so I'm going to post here. And that is pretty good it leads to like some interesting forms this one it just reads like a normal short story there's Mm. no it doesn't start with like hey reddit or end with like so now i'm posting it waiting for what's gonna happen next it's just like a much more traditional story yeah she there's no like at the end like i'm asking for help where do i hide like i just yes yes i would say that like Keep it in the child voice because that was done so effing well. Or what's the point of having her turn into an adult and just have this thing kind of like chase her down? I don't know. I I do have a lot of questions. I did like the flash forward to adulthood because it added some level of stakes to the story. Like rather than Magic Marty killed her family and then it's done, it's like, oh no, Magic Marty is still a concern in her current life. That's why it's like, that's why we got this flashback about it. But the like, there's no reason for him to come back and there's no resolution to his return it's just like okay so he's just gonna stalk her forever yeah he's just gonna kill rosie and her unnamed husband and eat their baby okay yeah the the like when there's no chance i i feel like horror is less effective when there's absolutely no chance for the victims in the story to get away okay what's your i can kind of see that but spell it out for me how come um I think it might just be a personal taste thing, because I know a lot of people really enjoy movies like Funny Games or The Strangers, um, but the, like, my specific reason for disliking that genre of, like, a bad guy captures someone, tortures them, and then the torture victim dies and the bad guy gets away with it. Uh, that just has never really grabbed me. I, I, I don't know if there's a reason for it. I guess I just find it more frightening if, even if the victim doesn't get away, if there is like a chance for them or if they take the bad guy down with them, something like that. Uh, or, or like, um, have you seen It Follows? Yes. I like the the way that ends, where rather than they defeat the bad guy or the bad guy defeats them, they're just like, well, the bad guy's there, and I guess we'll just live with it. Which, that's, like, the Babadook has a a similar vibe. Very Um, true. And I I like that a lot, too, especially because a lot of these... um, horror stories the the slasher or or magic entity doing the the murdering is just really a very like obvious straightforward metaphor for mental illness um which i think could be an argument could be made for that with magic marty but it's make it's a it little, uh oh do i have to make that argument now well we can uh, like kind of <laughs> assess it out i mean like i'm like listening and i'm i'm trying to see where i can where i could go with it too i mean mental illness she does uh 
go into like a lot of therapy afterwards, but she says that she has like a relatively good foster care experience and she specifically points out that none of the horror stories of the foster care system ever happened to her. She moved from like one good family to another and then now she's a productive woman and expressing that because she is pregnant, which is how society is like, good, she grew up to be a good woman, pregnant, stable, there it is. Um, and now that world's about to get ripped apart again because Magic Marty rears his head. Yeah, so. I, 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 she does explicitly call him a coping mechanism. Um, but after therapy, yeah, it, it's like it. That that would be the the place where I'd hook it in to try and make it like Marty's. Marty is depression, um, but <laughs> he's probably not. I think I. I don't think that's a cohesive enough argument. Um, oh, I, I, I could play with that. I mean, not to inter. I did inter- that's interrupt. That's fine. But- the, the other thing I would go with would be um, just straight up that he's like depression or suicidal ideation or something like that, just because of uh, the fact that he comes to her during during times of duress. But the fact Ooh. that the author didn't put in anything about this being a difficult pregnancy or about her being worried about it at all. Yes, uh, she's just happy and she's looking forward to it. And then Magic Marty shows up. Uh, it makes it makes me think like okay so the author didn't the author just like wasn't thinking about that so i'm less willing to to give them credit for it i agree i mean i guess that's that is part of why i was a little dissatisfied with the ending she's so happy around she seems very content around this pregnancy which is why i thought the flash forward kind of fell flat Everything was just flash forwarding to her being like happy. And I think it even talks about how happy she is. Um, yeah. And that's, that I guess is where we get where, where I feel like it loses some of the, the, I keep saying stakes, but that's what it is. It's like the idea that he's just a random demon that she accidentally summoned once and now he's here forever to eat all her babies is just like, that's, not particularly compelling to me. No, it's true. And what's the payoff then? Like, what did she get out of return for this? I know that at the end he keeps saying that he fixed it. And I'm like, fixed what? Like, maybe that's good for like a child deal at seven. But now she's an adult. Where's that Rumpelstiltskin aspect coming in, you know? And she's happy to, like... Yeah, she doesn't get anything out of it. Like, in, in the child part, yeah. Like, part of the reason why it's so strong is... She wants the baby to go away. And exactly. by the time, by the time she regrets asking for that, it's too late. Exactly. But with the adult thing, she doesn't want the baby to go away. She wants to have the baby. And then this guy shows up anyway. Yeah. That's my, so yeah. So, uh, uh, I agree. Let's move into what's the, what's the spookiest part of this? You can choose a line or an aspect of the story or a, a moment, uh, anything like that. Just a, a spookiest part. Mm, you know what? I'm going to say the cat. Ooh, you stole mine. I was going to say when the cat comes back and it sounds like Feral. horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a good play because it's the... I like it because um, you never see the cat. She never sees the cat. She only hears the cat. So we have like this monster who's... Or demon or whatever entity who can like throw its voice to be anything it thinks its listener wants to hear. And it mocks her 
at the end by making sure that that cat sounds feral. And from the way that it's written, the monster and the cat are one in the same. So it's the realization possibly on the adult Rosie who is hearing that she's had been manipulated by this creature. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Like manipulated into thinking that the cat was real manipulated into thinking that she hadn't made him up. Right. That gaslighting part where he's, he's, he's like telling a seven year old, essentially, um, how could you have been so inventive and creative to have come up with all these things about me? Obviously they're real. And you know, you're an idiot for thinking that you made it up. Uh, that's probably think, a little projection. Um. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think the I think the scariest thing for me is the doubt. The fact that we uh, we don't know. Like, did she make it up, and she's imagining this voice now in the present, or um, was it a real a real gremlin in the air vents, or was it a man who had been listening to her talk to the air vents and then? Mm eventually spoke up and was like, all right, now I'm going to kill your family. But he couldn't find her because she was under the bed. Right. Okay. So that's a good point too, because if it was an entity and it had uh, omniscient knowing factors, why didn't it know that she was under the bed? Right. Yeah, I mean- exactly. Or it, it, unless it chose to intentionally exclude her. But that, that doubt there is, I, I think there's a lot of mileage in it. I can see that, definitely. Uh, yeah, I agree. The doubt. Mm. Um, although, yeah, that's the only thing that makes me doubt whether or not it was like a knowing entity, uh, a demonic entity, is that mm. it acts kind of like a human at times, but then the overlapping of the feral cat and its voice at the end, that's difficult for a human to do. I mean, I try it all the time with my cats. It doesn't work. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess he could have just had a cat. Or a recording of a cat. <laughs> he's got like his talk boy and he's just like yeah. playing a cat sound, r- rewinding it. These options certainly seem unlikely. Unlikely, yes. Um, uh, anyway, that, uh, that I think, uh, unless we have any final thoughts, I think that'll wrap it up for this, uh, this story. No final thoughts. I enjoyed this. This was a good story. I like these questions. Good job, Jeff. Thank you. I tried my best. I'm glad you enjoyed your first and final appearance on the podcast. All right. <laughs> uh, so tell the people where they can find you uh, online or and or the things that you uh, produce. If they would like to say, hey, good job, or if they would like to see anything that you've made. Sure. You could go to demicat.com. That's D-E-M-I-K as in cat, A-T dot com. Um, that's my website. It's pretty crap at the moment. I got hacked. Just had to do a little wrap up. And I have a zine called VTZ. That's on hiatus though. But if you reach out to me through my, through Jeff, Jeff will get in touch with me if anybody wants copies of that zine. I don't really have a PO box that you could reach me currently. But thank you. Yay. Of course. Oh, and I did a radio show recently. Uh, But that's past tense. Uh, is there any, like, online archive of it or anything? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well, you guys missed it. Too bad. Uh, you can find me in all the normal places, Jeff JK on Snapchat and Instagram. Uh, 
the Patreon stuff is going to end up going up on this feed when the show is over, so please um, keep an eye on the feed, stay subscribed to it, don't just delete it after episode 200, because you'll be missing out on uh, hashtag content. Um, mm. If you want to continue to listen to me uh, talk about whatever, you can go to weaponizedlanguage.com or your favorite pod- podcast app and subscribe to Hack the Net. That's my other show I do where we look at fandom wikis. Uh, we choose a random one, then we choose random pages on it, and we learn about all sorts of things like defunct browser-based MMORPGs. That's really cool. Um, or a series of books that nobody has read that seem like they should be about werewolves, but they're not. <laughs> uh, there's lots of stuff like that on there. It's a good show. You can go back and listen to the show that it was before when it was about Reddit, um, but you also don't have to. You can just start at Hack the Net, uh, episode one, or any episode, really, uh, and listen straight through. You can uh, join the Discord if you message me uh, on any platform. The the Discord is is um, joinable. It's going to stay up even after the show is over. That's it. Uh, that's all we have to say about this one. Let's do our, our little finishing line. Uh, the last thing I heard before I scrambled to my feet and fled screaming from the house was this. The pink ones taste like cotton candy. Mm-hmm.